you've got your Bibles, turn me to Isaiah chapter 6. Very familiar scripture that you've read and I've preached on several times. But I just want to talk about Isaiah and the vision that God gave him and look at it uh, in the sense of how we need to see it today. Isaiah's vision was years and years and years and years and years ago, but it's still relevant to where we are today. And, And I believe that we can learn something from that. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. This is Isaiah speaking here. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isn't it amazing that when we really get our eyes upon Jesus, how unclean we feel? You may be the best Christian around, but it's amazing when we put our eyes on Jesus and His light shines upon us, how dirty we feel, how unclean we feel. Isaiah was the same way. Verse 6 says that one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. I like that scripture right there because on another time when when Jesus shows up and he begins to speak, you may turn your pastor down, but you ain't going to turn him down. At least if you're in your right mind anyway. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. You know, you're going to go. You're going to be willing to go. Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people... Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. I want us to look at this this vision that Isaiah had. During during this time that uh, that this scripture was written, uh, the things that was taking place, it was a very very difficult time that uh, that was going on in the kingdom of that that day. The northern kingdom, uh, history will tell you, that was on the brink of disaster. There was some bad things that was going on. Uh, one of the reasons and the main reasons that some of the some of the bad things that was going on is their persistent backsliding, their persistent going back on God, uh, and and really it, it sounds just like us today. When you anytime you read a read a portion of scripture concerning the children of Israel and Israelites and all those kind of things like that, you'll find that it was always in the Old Testament. When if you've read the Old Testament through, you, all of you would agree with me that it's always an up and down. Uh, 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 a theology or, a, or their Christian walk. Not theology, but their Christian walk. Uh, it, it was an up and down thing. It, it, that's the same way with it, with it, as it is with us today. When you really think about it, when you, when you step back and really not look at day, day in and day out, hour by hour, but when you look at a, at a span of time, it's, a day, it, it's up and down all the time. But I asked, I asked the guys Monday night while we was here, do you, do you think it's possible? And let me ask you this, do you think it's possible for us as God's people to live a consistent Christian life? How many thinks it's possible for us to do that looking back at history? I do. 
I do think it's possible for us to live a consistent Christian walk. I'm not saying that we won't stumble. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you look at when you look at the Israelites and you look at all they, they allowed all these things to come in, idol worship and, and all the all the, the, the things of that day that always brought took them away from God instead of to God. Most of the time if we fail, the most at least I hope this is the case where most Christians, if they stumble, if they fall, they're going to run to God instead of away from God. There is a few that will run away from God. But we hope that everybody will run to God and say, God, I messed up here. Would you forgive me? And he'll strengthen us, he'll forgive us, and he'll move us on. That's why I really feel like you can live a, a consistent Christian walk. It's not for you to judge. It's not for me to judge. It's for, my, it's for God to judge my heart, right? And so he looks at me. He looks on the inside. But, but, they were, but they was on the brink of disaster mostly because of their backsliding. And, uh, and, and that's in the northern kingdom. But when you look in the southern kingdom, it was the, same, it was the same, same way during that time as well. God's house was being neglected. That's when Isaiah received this vision here. The priesthood was not only silent and unprotesting. It was not only silent, they weren't doing anything. They were just, they were just going through the motions, if you will. They had, they had an itinerary that they had to follow. And they, had, and they were just simply going through the motions. It didn't mean anything to them. Matter of fact, they were even priests of that day was not living right. They were just going through the motions. The, the easiest way for us to understand this is that look at where we are today in our churches. Do you understand that we have pastors today that gets up every Sunday and preaches a message but is not saved? Do you believe that? There, there is. All over America, it's, it's the case today. And, and I've read testimony after testimony. I know some of these ministers that has got up Sunday after Sunday, but yet their heart is not where they need to be. I'm talking about the priesthood, all right? The priesthood. We'll break it on down, and this is really not my message, but let's break it on down to where we are as fathers and as dads, as priests of our home. It's the same way. We may be a priest of the home. We may be a father of the home, but there are times that our heart is far from God. We're not, we're not living for God like we need to. And so we have to reexamine ourselves. And, and the Lord saw these things that was going on. They were participating, in other words, these priests of that day, but with the sins of the nation. The same thing is going on today. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a dark day, if you will, when preachers won't cry out for people to get right. It's a dark day, if you will, if, if we won't proclaim the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ instead of just going through the motion. In, in, in many ways, there's a parallel when you look at it between Isaiah's day and our day uh, uh, today. There's two, there's two uh, things that we understand. We live in a sinful world today. This is something I've noticed this week, and I've known this before, but it come, it come, it come uh, real to me, I guess, this week. Have you ever noticed that while you're doing more praying and more fasting, things seem to come to light more? Does that make sense? What I mean by that, your, your ears are more sensitive to God's Word, number one. Your spirit is more sensitive to the voice and the presence of God. I, I promise you, you're born in tune, in other words, with the voice of God. But not only are you in tune with the voice of God, you're in tune with all the things, maybe let's just say that you're flipping the television set, and you begin to notice those things that's not of God more so. I'd done that the other day. 
it, 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 it sort of freaked me out a little bit. I was sitting at home alone, and I just had the remote control, Brother Charles, and I was flipping the channel. And every channel that I went to, it was something that, I don't want to watch that. That's not doing anything to, to edify my spirit. I couldn't believe it. And these were some of the shows that I, I used to watch. I'm just confessing here tonight. But while I was in this attitude of prayer and fasting, those things seemed to jump out at me. And I'm like, why did I, why did I watch that? That's, it's not edifying my spirit. It's not building me up, if you will. I turn another channel. And it wasn't that the show was necessarily bad, Sister Ruth. It was just like it wasn't good either. It was just sort of those lukewarm kind of things. And I'm like, what's, what's up with this? And I'd flip another channel. Man, I went to 25 or 30 channels. Couldn't find nothing to watch but the news. And it was depressing. But have you ever noticed how that happens? You're, you're, you're more sensitive about those things that have come to light. We know that we live in a, in, a, in a sinful world. But the second thing is this. If we're not careful, we in this sinful world, we will have a powerless church. Because we have just condoned everything, we've justified everything, and we've just tied ourselves into the world. We smell like the world, we look like the world, we sing like the world, we do everything like the world. We become a powerless church. Well, there was a day when the church spoke with authority. I remember that. It was, it was, it, some of it was in my lifetime. I remember there was a day that the church spoke with authority. I remember a day when I was growing up and I was a little boy and I'd walk around with Dad and he'd get around a group of guys. I would hear these guys say, hey, don't use a bad word. The preacher is here. Now they don't care. That's just a little example. You understand? I remember a day when you, when you treated the house of God a little different than we treat it today. You respected the house of God. It was a reverent sort of thing. You, and so, and so we, 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 we've come into this sinful world, this powerless church, if you will. There's many, there's many don't get me wrong, there's many good things that's been done in the church. But when you, when you look at it from a whole, if we're not careful, we begin to lose our power. We begin to lose the respect of the authority of Almighty God. And we are putting emphasis on wrong words, so to speak. God, God, says, God says agonize, and, and instead of agonize, we may organize to make it a little better. You know? And so the church looks for better machinery and better methods, and, and God looks for better men sometimes. And I've got to be careful here because there's nothing wrong with we're looking for better, better methods, but we cannot lose the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't lose the presence of God in that, in that, in that same uh, ingredient, if you will. We've got to keep the presence of God. And so like Isaiah, in Isaiah's day, we've got, we, we got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do till Jesus comes. And, 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 and just like him, we live in difficult times today. And like him, uh, before we can, we can go out on this mission, we've got to have a vision as, as only the Lord can give. And, uh, and, and I want us to look at this vision that Isaiah had. The first thing I want you to notice is this, is, is Isaiah saw this vision. He saw this vision. He saw the Lord. Everybody say that. He saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. It was there. It was right there that it began for him. There's, there was a starting point. It was there that that vision, that mission, that God, he was a good guy. He was doing good things, but he had his eyes on the king. Go back and look at it. He looked more at the king. He favored the king more so than he, than he favored God in reality. He looked at the king. I mean, he was upset that King Uzziah died. But in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah said in the year that he died, not before, he was a prophet. 
He heard from God, but on that year, that's when he said, that's when I saw the Lord. That's when I saw the Lord. I, he, it began right there, and, it's gotta, and that's got to be where it begins with us tonight. What are we talking about, Pastor? We can come to church day in and day out, but until we get a vision of who God is, we're just, we're just bored and we've got to have something to do. So we just come to church. We don't want to end up in jail. We don't want to get drunk. We don't want to do those things. We'll just go to church. That's good in church. But we, we do not have a vision of God yet. And our eyes has got to get a vision of who God is. The vision is vital. That, that seeing God is vital. It's essential for, for our perspective. It's essential for what we want to do. It's essential even for our future as who we are in Christ. And so, and so then the question comes, how, if, if Isaiah saw him, how did he see him? And the Bible says, Isaiah saw God on his throne. In the year that King Uzziah, I saw the Lord on his throne, sitting on his throne. But he noted in Scripture, he said, not only did I sit on his throne, I saw the seraphims and I heard, I heard their songs, so to speak. And they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. I heard these things. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. The Bible said my, my, uh, that, that his whole train filled the temple. That cape, that, that dress, or whatever the robe, whatever he had on, it filled the temple. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw the glory. He saw the surrounding power of God. He was aware, in other words, of the presence of an awful and a solemn holiness that was in his presence, a, a holy God. The seraphims, the Bible says, matter of fact, they had six wings. Two of them covered their eyes. Two of them covered their feet. And two of them, they began to fly all around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When you look when you look at, at both the Old and the New Testament, God, God testifies. He says in 1 Peter or, or Leviticus, He said, Be ye holy, He says, for I am holy. You can find that in Leviticus in 1 Peter. Be ye holy, for I am holy, He said. So Isaiah saw God in His holiness. And, and this is not in my notes, but, and you've heard me say this before, but, but I, I keep having to come back to it for us. I don't want us to ever get to the place where we think that we can come to God any way that we want to. It won't happen. God is holy. He's a reverent. We need to reverence Him as a holy God. He is our King, amen. He is our soon-coming King. I don't care wherever you go in the world, if you go to see a king or a queen, there's a certain protocol you will have to follow before you stand in their presence. Everywhere. But in the church world... We serve the highest of highest of kings, but yet we just feel like we can come to him however we want to. Whatever attitude, whatever, whatever method, whatever, and that's not, that's not the God that we serve tonight. I'm not talking about that you've got you've to dress up in a ball gown. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. With your heart and your attitude, we've got to come before him in recognizing who he is. Isaiah saw God in his holiness. Not only that, the Bible says that Isaiah saw God in his power. In verse 1, he said, I saw him high and lifted up. I saw him high and lifted up. Before you and I can face a sinful world, before we can go out and minister to somebody, you and I both, we've got to see God elevated and exalted as the powerful one that we serve. He's not somebody on the same playing field that you, that you are. He's higher than we are, amen. He is our king. He is our sovereign God that we, that we serve. One, one uh, our Lord said in Matthew, says, All power is given unto what? Me. 
All power is given unto me. He said to his apostles, I give you power to tread upon serpents. Amen. To give you power to tread upon serpents. Isaiah saw this vision, the Bible said, in the year that King Uzziah died. And, and, and the statement that he made was, was simply maybe to record maybe a, a, a time frame that, uh, of what was going on during that time or whatever. I don't know, but, but that's he said, I saw it when Isaiah died. In other words, I don't have the king to look to anymore. He's not my main focus anymore. He's not the one that I'm paying attention to anymore. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. He is the one. He's the one that, I, that I've got to pay attention to. He saw him in his power. Third thing is this. Isaiah saw God among his people. He saw him among his people. Verse 1, it says, he says, the text says, His train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. It signified the presence of God was in the house. It signified his presence. Now, I don't have to ask this, but I'll go ahead and ask it. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in services before where, where you're in a service, and all of a sudden, you know God's there. Ain't nobody have to tell you. Preach, preacher don't have to get up. Song leader don't have to tell you. You know that the presence of God, he just, he just comes in. He's just there. That happened Monday night with us guys. We didn't have very many guys here, but I want to tell you something. You, I knew when God's presence showed up. It was there. It was thick in the house. His presence showed up. Isaiah saw a God that wasn't a faraway God. It was a close God. It was a God that was right there. It was near. He was, he was near them. Every person in the house felt the presence of God. It experienced the manifestation of God, the train that filled the temple. Moses in the scriptures in Exodus saw the presence of God. Moses saw the presence of God in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 through, uh, verse two through 7. Solomon in, in Scripture 2 Chronicles saw God's glory at the dedication of the temple. And we've preached about that. In Acts chapter 2, they saw and felt the presence of God as it, that, as it was so real, Sister Mavis, when it entered that, that, that the house where they were at, that they were sitting. They, the wind came and the sound of wind and, and a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues set up on all of them. And, and the house got too small. They had to get outside. The church was begun that day. They understood what the presence of God was all, all about. I'm just, I, I, just, I just believe that if God can do that back then, He can do it for us today, can He? If God can do those things back then, He's the same God. He never changes. That's what the Word says. He never changes. And so it must be I've got to do something with me. I've got to do something with me to get me to see Him. And if I've got a Uzziah in my way, if I've got something else in my way, I've got to get that out of my way before I can see the Lord high and lifted up. I've got to see the Lord high and lifted up, and whatever's in my way, I've got to get it out of the way, whatever it may be. And I'm not going to go into speculation of what it is for you or what it is for me, but whatever it is, I've got to get it out so I can see Him high and lifted up. Isaiah saw God. It is true that the church, we all know this, but it's true that the church has its faults. But thank God He's still with us. It's true that we've got to do some things better, but thank God that He is still with us. It's true that we don't have perfect people in a perfect church. If we had perfect people in a perfect church, we might be in heaven. But we're not. As long as we're here on this life and this earth, we're not going to have a perfect church. We're not going to have perfect people. Let me see your hands if you think you are perfect people. Say that five times. <laughs> Just kidding. But Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. He saw a God of all nations. He saw him as universal. 
The seraphims cried out, Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of His glory, the Bible said in verse 3. He saw God. He's a God of, of not just here, not just Israel, not just Jerusalem, not just where I am. He's a God of the whole world, all the nations, all colors, all titles. The whole earth is God's footstool. Isn't it going to be amazing when we stand around the throne? There's going to be people of everywhere, every color, every creed, every nationality, every tongue. And we're going to be doing nothing but giving Him glory, giving Him praise. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know. I, I sort of believe that I'll understand everybody then. They'll understand me. I just sort of believe that. You know, and we're going to be lifting, we're going to be lifting Him up. We're going to be giving Him, give him his, his, uh, the whole earth is His footstool. And he, gave, and, he, and he gave His Son, Jesus, to bring salvation. We know that according to John 3.16, to all men everywhere that dwelleth upon the earth, whosoever will, let him come, he said. Whosoever will, let him come. God, God, you can't confine God to one state. You can't confine God to one nation. You can't confine God to, to, to just one area. If, 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 you, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, ask, ask one of these guys that went over to Honduras or on the mission field. You, you may not understand what they're saying, but you know when God shows up. It's universal. We was in a service, we was over there here back, back last year, and, and, uh, and I didn't understand nothing they were saying other than C. That's all I understood. They was talking too fast, Brother David. Couldn't understand them. But I knew when the Lord showed up. I, it didn't take me long to figure out. I, oh, I take that back. I could understand hallelujah. Hallelujah is one of those words that's universal. No matter where you go, it's hallelujah. I understood that, but I knew when the presence of God showed up. So you can't confine God to just, to just one nation. We, we, are all, we all come under the, the same blood, according to Acts chapter 17. The second thing is this, I want you to understand, that Isaiah saw a vision. When he saw God, he saw a vision of himself. I want, I want, I want this to really sink into us tonight, because this is where I, really the meat of this message tonight. When he really got a glimpse of who God was, he began to see himself. He began to see himself. Now, every one of us, probably, you know what I'm talking about. We, we've all looked at ourselves in the mirror, right? There's, there's times that I'll get in the mirror and the light is just right and I see my face in a different way than when the light is not right. You know what I'm talking about? I'll see all the blemishes. I'll see, I don't want to gross none of you out right now, but I'll see all the pores. I'll see all the inconsistencies. I'll see the wrinkles. I'll see the bags underneath the eyes at times when the light is just right. I'll see hair growing out of my ears sometimes in the, in the right light that I'll have to reach up there and clip that I don't, you don't normally see, you know, just when you're like right now. See, you don't see hair growing in my ears, but it's there. I promise you, you just get the right light on there and you get close enough with the magnifying glass. You can find, I, I'm drawing a picture here. I'm sort of using me as a, as, as a guinea pig here, but you understand what I'm saying? We've all done that. And we'll go up to that mirror and we'll look and we'll do this and, We'll, we'll, you know, we'll make all kinds of, y'all do it too, you know you do. You know you do, especially you ladies, you do it. Because you, we want to look a certain way, we want to look just right. We don't, we don't want to see the blemishes, we don't want to see all those kind of things. But what I'm trying to get us to understand is when Isaiah saw God, he began to have a real picture of who he, who he was. He began to have a real picture, he began to see himself. He wasn't covered up with anything. He was open to God, in other words. Isaiah saw Isaiah. And, and this, the, the, the man who sees God best sees, really, he's going to see himself. And Isaiah said, when he saw that, he said, Woe is me. He said, Oh, my Lord, in other words. 
This is me. I can't believe this is me. Woe is me. I am undone. I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, he said. He said it was a humbling thing for him. But, in the, but when, the, when God's light shines upon you, you begin to see really who you really are. I'm not, I'm not saying who you really are around everybody else because we're, you know, we're somebody else around other people. They may not see the real us all the time. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if you're, if you're like we are at our house, you know, we'll go home sometimes and, and we'll get our lounging clothes on and we'll get our pajamas, so to speak, and we'll get our uh, sleeping pants or whatever, you know, and we'll, we'll get in that recliner and we'll rear back and, and our, it doesn't matter how the hair looks. It doesn't matter what the face. We'll go take the makeup off. And, and it, it just don't matter what we look like, but let somebody come knock on the door. Buddy, we're going to jump up. We're going to tidy things up a little bit. I like it. I've always liked it at the house because I don't know what it is with my house. And, and I'm not trying to give you all permission to do this. It's not wise in these days to do this. But it seems like everybody comes to my house that when they knock on the door in the garage, they don't wait for somebody to come and answer. They just walk on in. <laughs> other night this happened. I promise you, the other night this happened. I'm going to tell you who it was. It wasn't nobody in this church. But other night, this happened. I'm, Karen is laying down. She's got her pajamas on. She's covered up. She's sleeping on the couch. I'm reared back in the recliner. Mildred's sitting over there in her chair, and this knock comes door, and I get up. and going to go, and I made it as far as the kitchen, and this guy walks in. And I'm thinking, what are you walking in my house for? Now, I knew this guy. He didn't bother me. He didn't scare me. He was a friend of mine, but I'm thinking, you don't need to be doing it. I may have a gun on you. You know, just walking up in somebody's house. You don't know what you're going to find. You know, and so, Karen, she's covered up because she ain't looking like she wants to look. She's got her almost her head covered up because, you know, the hair's messed up, all those kind of things. You know what I'm talking about. And so, and so Isaiah, when he saw himself, woe is me. Woe is me. I, I'm, I'm, un, I'm undone. I'm unclean. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I, this is not who I am really, Lord, but really it was. I have a certain image I've got to, you know, uphold. But really, God sees us that way all the time, doesn't he? doesn't really matter what our image and who we are, what our title is, and all those kind of things. He really sees us all the time of really who we are. Really, when you think about it, God can do very little with us. God can do very little with us until we see our weaknesses and we allow him to take over. We don't want to be weak around people. We don't want to be frail around people. We don't want to appear like, you know, like we don't know what we're doing. We want to act like it anyway. You've heard those saying, fake it until you make it, <laughs> those, those kind of things. That, you know, we, and we do that at times. But until we open ourselves up and we, we allow ourselves, and here's, here's, a, here's a real important point and a key for us tonight as God's people. And, and, and sometimes because of our past and sometimes because of our history, it won't allow us to do that. But sometimes with God, we have to allow ourselves to become vulnerable with God before he can take us and change us and, and create us into the, into, the, into the vessel that he wants us to be. And that's not easy to do because of the hurt maybe in the past. Because we don't, we don't want to allow ourselves to get, to get that real with God. Now, I'm, I'm preaching where we are tonight. You know I am. We don't, we, don't, we don't allow ourselves to get, to get that real with God because if we do, God's going to find some other stuff out about us that we really have kept hid and we've pushed down and we've, we've tried to hide those things in our heart. But I want to tell you something tonight, church. God can touch you. God can help you. But he can only do so much until you allow yourself to be open 
to him. Until you allow yourself to just do what these little papers were talking about. Just allow him to write on the covers and the sheets of your life. Let him fill in the blanks. I'm going to become vulnerable to God so he can, he can work with me. Paul, in, in, say, in 1 Corinthians, was, was sort of like Isaiah. Uh, he said this. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear. And Paul says, and I was with you in much trembling. He said, sometimes when we're with God, boy, that holy fear takes over, doesn't it? Trembling takes over. Because you really don't know what God's going to do and what God's going to say and what God wants you to do. We've got to always remember that we're, un, we're unprofitable servants and that without Him, according to Luke and John, we can do nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. And so Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah got a good glimpse of who he was. He saw a vision of himself. And Isaiah saw the possibility of maybe, maybe what he could do if he allowed himself to be open. Remember that what he said in the, the next, he said, when he said, woe is me, and, and the Lord says, well, who am I going to send? And Isaiah said, okay, Lord, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. To be able to, be able to do this, to be able to say this, Isaiah, Isaiah had to first see himself powerless in his own strength in order to allow God to give him strength to do what God wanted him to do. It's after, it's after those two things. The Bible went on to say that, that the angel came and he got a, a live coal from the fire and went and touched his lips with it. Ministered unto him, in other words. After those couple of things, he, Isaiah could have said the same thing that Paul said in Philippians. He said, I can do all things through Christ. What? Who strengthens me? Who strengthens me? And so we become aware that God has, has chosen us. You remember the scripture talks about that God has chose, chosen the foolish things. To confound the wise. He's, he's chosen those things that didn't make sense from a, from a, from a natural standpoint to, 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 speak, to, to speak and minister to somebody. He's chosen the foolish things sometimes. I think about this and I think about dad's testimony many times when, when the Lord called dad to preach. And he, he said he, he felt like he couldn't talk and he was backwards and, and he was shy and all this. And he had, a, he had a bout with the devil back and forth at that fence. Some of you remember that testimony and how the devil told him. He said, you, the Lord, you're not going to be able to preach. God didn't call you to preach. He had to go back to the stump and had pray some more. You know, had to, had to get victory. And he'd, he'd go back to that fence and that's right there at that fence where the devil would meet him and, and speak those negative, uh, those negative things in his heart. He had to go back to the stump again. And the third time... That's when the light that the, the God just sh- shone down upon him and said, I've called you and I'm going to set you forth and you just follow and you listen unto me, in other words. So we've, we've got to see the light of the gospel. We've got to see us shining in God's light. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We've got to believe that. And so we understand that we can't do nothing in ourselves, God, but you've got to take us and you've got to use us and you've got to be, and it's got to be to your glory. Amen. You got to, it's got to be to your glory. I, I don't know about you, but I pray this often. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've got a problem with this, but I pray this often, Brother Adam. I said, Lord, help my pride. I really do. I'm serious about it. So don't let me get prideful. Don't let me feel like that I'm better than everybody else. Pride will take you down. It will. Pride will, will, will destruct you. Pride will, will, it won't, it won't minister to you at all. I promise you. Oh, your head may blow up a little bit every now and then, but I'm going to tell you, pride will take you down. And so, Lord, don't let, me, don't let me get that way. Don't allow me to be prideful where I cannot listen to you and hear your voice. And the last thing is this. Isaiah not only saw a vision of himself when he saw the Lord, but he got a vision and a glimpse of other people as well. He saw other people. 
Verse 8, whom shall I send? Who's going to go for us? He was calling. He was calling for somebody to, to go, somebody to do something. And Isaiah responded because, because he saw the need. He saw the need. And Isaiah's answer was, Lord, I see, I see the Lord. I see the need. I see the Lord. I see the need. I see the Lord. I, I see the need. So if I see that, then Lord, here am I. Send me. It may not have been something that Isaiah was used to. It may not have been something that he was wanting to do. It may not have been something that, that even God had called, but he saw a need and he went and filled that need. Now, I'm not going to talk about getting involved in things right here, but that's a good place to, to deal with that. But sometimes we may not want to be involved ourselves, but we see a need, whatever it may be, and we just fulfill and we, we involve ourselves, and that grows a church. It grows, it grows us as individuals. It strengthens us of who we are. I got a call the other night. Uh, what night was it? I don't know what night it was. Sometime this week, my days has been running together. I told me like we was talking about a while ago, but... I was, I was, and I was dead asleep, but about midnight, about five after midnight, I got a call from the hospital. It had to be on a Monday uh, because, uh, yeah, Monday. Uh, and so the nurse got on there, and, and it took me a little bit to wake up. She probably thought I was crazy, but she said, you know, we have a young man up here that requests to see a chaplain. I was the chaplain on call this week. And I said, uh, you have who? And uh, she said, we have a young man. He, he wants to see the chaplain. I said, uh, uh, I wanted to say, well, go call him. And I remembered I'm the one. And I said, well, I said, what, I said, what does he want? And she said, well, he wants to see the chaplain. I'm still trying to wake up. And, I, and I'm thinking, when I got woke up, I thought that was dumb because why else would you need a chaplain? You want somebody to come pray for you, you know. I said, okay, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. So I got my clothes on, and I went up to the hospital. And uh, sure enough, there was this young man up there, and he was having some stomach issues by the name of Derek Tucker. If you remember his name, pray for him. He's, he's still in the hospital, as far as I know. But he, he does need God to touch him. And so I was able to talk to him for about an hour, stayed up there until about 1 uh, Monday morning or Tuesday. I don't know. But, and, uh, and, but when I got that call and I got to thinking about that, I didn't want to go to the hospital that night. I promise you, I, I was sleeping good. And it was just one of those nights where I hadn't been sleeping good the last few nights, and I was just, I was sleeping good. And I did not want to go pray with somebody. I'm just being honest with you. Until I got woke up and I said, Lord, I, I, here in my Lord, send me. No, I didn't, I didn't say that, but you know, what, you know what I'm talking about. If that's what you want me to do, God, if that's where you want me to go, and if that's, if that's my, my duty this week, if I'm the chaplain, then I, I have to do that. I don't want to do that. And so I hope, <laughs> I hope I ministered to the little fellow a little bit, and I was awake by the time I got there. But that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes when, when, when we really see God for who He is, ministry, ministry has a way of, of getting you involved when there's times you may not want to be involved. And I'm not trying to say that you have to be involved in everything. That, don't, please don't get me wrong. But I promise you, I promise you, what I'm fixing to say, you're going to know I'm telling you the truth. There, there'll be times, or there have been times in your life where God is, you knew God has spoke to you, but you didn't want to do it, but you knew God spoke to you, told you to do it. You may not have done it, but you knew that was God speaking to you, right? You've been there? Yeah, I guarantee you have. You've tried to talk God out of it. You tried to deal with Him. You tried to barter with Him. You tried to bargain with Him. If you'll, get, if you'll let me off here, God, I promise I'll do this. I thought about this the other day, and I think I thought about old Brother Lee Froud, you know, uh, when we was at church in Fayetteville. I don't know why I keep thinking about this, but, but one particular Sunday, I don't even know what was going on. I was just a kid, but, but I remember Brother Lee's testimony where he said, Sister Ruth, the Lord spoke to him on that particular Sunday, and he wanted him to get down on his hands and knees like a baby and crawl in front of the church, just back and forth, just crawl. 
And Lee was one of those kind of guys. He was sort of a dignified, prideful kind of guy. And he said, I, I ain't doing that. And he, he tried to bargain with the Lord. And he, he, you know, just, Lord, I can't do that in front of this, uh, this congregation. I can't do that. And he didn't do it. And he told Dad, you know, I remember the testimony where he said, all week long I was miserable. I knew God had told me to do that, but I, I refused God. And I told God, if you'll get me back to church on that next Sunday, I'll get down and I'll crawl. And he did, but it wasn't God's will then. And he did look like a fool. Well, maybe not. But you, get, you understand what I'm trying to say. He felt like one. Because he knew God wasn't anything. God, and so there's times where God will speak to you when you really get a glimpse of who he is. Isaiah got a glimpse of who he is and said, Lord, here am I. I'm undone. I'm, I'm unclean. He sent an angel and he got a live coal. He touched his lips and said, I've purified you. I've purged you. I've taken care of all the things in your life. And now I want you to go. And he said, here am I. Send me. Isaiah responded because he saw that need. See, when you and I have a confrontation with God, we have a burden for others when we'll, when we'll listen to God. Paul said in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, Lord, what, what will thou have me do? What will thou have me do? Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Lord, what, what would you have me do? <laughs> it's interesting sometimes what God will speak to you. Isaiah saw the people like Christ. He, you know, in Matthew chapter 9, verse, verse 36, the Bible says he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. But Isaiah saw this, saw other people. He got a glimpse of others as well. And Christ said to those, he said, he said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore for the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his house. It's still the same way today. The laborers are few. The harvest is plenty. There's a harvest out there. I promise you. Every day you pass people that need Jesus. Every day you deal with people that need the, the blessing of Almighty God. Every day you pass people and you're acquainted with people that needs the love of Christ. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few at times. The laborers are few. When we see this lost world, and, and again, the, when you pray and when you fast and you couple those things together, and you, I mean, you, get, you, get, you begin to get serious with God, those things will come to light a little more. You become more sensitive. You'll be walking down Walmart, I promise you. You'll be walking down past, in Walmart, you'll pass somebody, and the Lord said, you need to stop and speak to them. He'll do it. He'll do it. Every time he'll do it. And you've got to make a decision. <laughs> Am I going to turn around and talk to them? Am I going to turn around and, and find out if everything's okay, but have prayer, whatever? You, you, you begin to hear the voice of God more. You begin to, you begin to just, in your presence, it may not be an audible voice, but in your, pre, in your heart, you know that God spoke to you right then, and this is what I want you to do. And you've got to make a decision, but, but as you pray and as you fast, and those things seem to come to light, you, you become more sensitive to the presence and the voice of Almighty God. Paul said in Philippians, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Christians, you and I, we, we take the compassion, we take the concern uh, of our Lord sometimes concerning world harvest lighter than we should. And, uh, and we do nothing really to assist the, 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 the of helping of, of taking the gospel into the world. Uh, that's why missions is, is uh, you know, missions is on my heart and, I, and it's on your heart. Many of you, you've given to missions. Many of you, you've, you've sowed seed in missions where maybe that, that you didn't feel like you could go. 
you, you send your money and you send, you send prayer and you send other things to, to mission field that, that people will come to know Jesus Christ. This church is involved. In, and the reason that's on my, on my mind, I got a call from Brother Eric today, Brother Eric Downs, and, and they're getting ready to go back over to Honduras uh, right, after, right after Easter this year to get, to get the orphanage uh, back up and running and get more supplies. They've run out of supplies and go purchase more supplies and all those kind of things to keep it going. Well, we're involved with that. You know, we've, we've involved ourselves for the last year, year and a half with that, and you've, put, you've sowed seed into that, and, and you have a stake in Honduras, in Cap Comento, Honduras, where they're building an orphanage to get children and young people off the street. Some of you are, are, are sponsoring uh, students right now, going to school over there, and you're paying for their clothes and their books and their medical uh, things. And when his little feet came, many of you got, got uh, the little cards where you sponsored young people all around the world of, uh, you know, and, uh, of, of wherever wherever country, whatever, and, you're, and because it, it's, it's part of your heart. You begin to see the world as a global thing, the, the, as far as Christianity is a global thing, to minister not only to your neighbor, but those in Jerusalem and Judea and the other most parts of the world. That's what God wants us to do. That's what He wants us to do. The Scripture says in Psalms, But they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What a wonderful and a glorious day that's going to be, isn't it? Let me ask you something. Have you ever sowed in tears? Have you ever sowed in tears? You know what I'm talking about, right? Whatever the, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's somebody that you're praying for. Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's just for breakthrough, as we've talked about in revival. But you sowed those things in tears. God, we need you. You spent some time with God. You spent some time with God. You sow in tears. You're going to reap in joy. Hallelujah. You're going to reap in joy. If you go forth, if you go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, because that's what you've got. You've got precious seed. You're going to doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves, bringing, bringing, bringing what you've what you've received, bringing those dividends, bringing, bringing that harvest with you of coming to know the Lord. Have you, let me ask you a question. I don't want you to raise your hands on this, but, but how many of you have ever personally won somebody to Christ? Nobody else has helped. You've personally won somebody to Christ. If you have, how did that make you feel after the fact? Now, I know how it made them feel. Burns was lifted and all. You've heard all those testimonies, but how did it make you feel? It's, it, it's, it's a rejoicing time. It's a joyous time, isn't it? Matter of fact, you're about as happy as the, as the person that got saved. Because of all the prayer, the, the sowing in tears, and, the, and, 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 and all those things that you've, that, you've, that you've, money maybe that you've spent and time that you've spent. It's a rejoicing when you see somebody that you've put effort and time and, and all those things into and they come to know the Lord. Boy, I'm going to tell you, it's like cloud. You can walk on clouds too, ain't it? That's what the scripture is talking about. You're going to sow in tears. You're going to reap in joy. You go forth and weeping and bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Bringing his sheaves with him. What a glorious day that's going to be. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight that you've given us this scripture in Isaiah that you can help us to relate to where we are, where we are today in you. And just like Isaiah, God, there's times in our life that we have to, we have to get that person or, or whatever it may be out of our way where we can really get a glimpse of who you are. Sometimes we have to get life itself out of the way. Sometimes we get so busy with everything, God, we don't have time to sit down and just, just be with you and look to you who is our Father. 
sometimes, God, the enemy would place us doing good things that we lose sight, really, of, of who you are. We lose sight of who you are. And I pray that, that you help us not do that. I pray that we can get, keep, our, keep our eyes upon you. Keep our eyes upon you. Help us to, to go when you call us to go. Help us to do those things that you've called us to and be responsible enough to do that. Help us to be sensitive to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me say this before you go. Carol will remember this. Uh, I was thinking about it just while I was praying about keeping our eyes upon the Lord. Sometimes um, we're so quick to judge uh, maybe others that we've been trying to talk to about getting in church or whatever, and they've just been slothful and lazy about not coming, and we, we sort of get down on them a little bit. I've been guilty of that before, and I've had to ask forgiveness. And I have to understand, Dad, is it, is it, not, is it right? I, I, have to, I have to keep on keeping on. I've got, to, I've got to keep on praying. I've got to keep on working. I've got to keep on asking. I've got to keep on. It doesn't matter. Jeremiah, do you realize Jeremiah went through his whole ministry and never won one soul to Christ, but the Lord said, you keep on doing what I've called you to do. That had to be a, a disheartening thing, but he kept on. And I got to thinking about this, about losing sight of who God is. You remember when we was in, in Honduras, I was there a lot longer than you guys was. I was, in there, I was there a long time. I don't want to go back that long. But as I was there that first week, I went back, and, and they've heard me say this before, but I, I went back and was picking, picking the other guys up uh, uh, at the airport, I was ready to go home. I wasn't ready to go. I wasn't ready to go back up that mountain. I was ready to get on a plane and come back to the house because I was missing my wife. I was missing my family. I was just missing you. I was missing the. Ch- I, I was. I was missing everybody. But I knew I couldn't leave. I had. I had another ten days. I had to go. When we went back up on that mountain the second time, and we came back down, I can't remember. We had a couple days, didn't we? A couple days before we left, I can't remember. But, but you remember when we come back down off that mountain and we stopped at that gas station? I know Scott may remember this too. We stopped at that gas station, and we was all wanting some chicken at that, at that Exxon, because we was tired of eating that other kind of chicken up on that mountain. We all got sick, and we was we was homesick, and we got down eating this fried chicken. We were able to get signal. We was able to get signal on the phone. And, and you remember that one station we stopped in? There was a front room, then there was a back room where that little play area was. You remember that? I got on the phone, and I was called to Karen, and I walked back into the playroom. When I heard Karen's voice, I broke up. Now, I didn't want anybody else to see me do that. But I, my, my, I started bawling and squalling. I couldn't get a word out because all I had in my mind, now, y'all don't tell her I say this because it'll make her head swell. All I had in my mind, I could, I, I could, I could, I thought I could visualize her face. I thought right there, uh, but I was. It was sort of one of those things where it was coming in and out. <laughs> I was sort of delirious a little bit, <laughs> I guess, from being up on that mountain. And I was wanting to get home. I was wanting to embrace, embrace my family. You know what I'm saying? I, I thought about that several times, and I didn't think about it until just now. Again, while I was praying, God help me not to lose sight of Your face. Remember, remember, me, remember me, you, me preaching here a few months ago about Brother Jimmy Russell, that prayer said, Lord, I'm trying to remember what you looked like when I first met you. Never forgot about that, and I don't think I ever will. You think about that. Let, I mean, you, you chew on that a little bit. Help me, Lord, to keep remembering what you looked like when I first met you. How did you feel when you first met Jesus? How did you feel? What was your spirit like? You was gung-ho. You was ready to go, but now here we are. 
Sometimes we're slothful. Sometimes we're complacent. Sometimes we have apathy. So I could keep going on, but that's, not, uh, that's another sermon. But, but help me to remember you, Lord, what you looked like when I first met you. If we can do that, we can keep this vision like Isaiah said in front of us all the time. We'll see ourselves like we really are. We can see others. We can get a glimpse of others. And we'll be able to say, here am I. Send me. Amen. God bless you. We'll